Good morning and welcome to the first show of the Early Birds Worm. On behalf of the team, thank you so much for joining us. We are beginning a new day and it is January 28th. My name is Safa Hussein. Today is an important day to bring awareness to mental health as it is Village Talk Day. On today's show, we will be covering everything from how our community is impacted by COVID to the problem with stray cats roaming in Oshawa. Stay tuned to hear an exclusive interview with TSN Sports anchor, Lindsay Hamilton. This is Emily McPhail with Ontario's COVID update. In breaking news, total vaccination data is incorrect, according to the Ontario government. A mix-up with the data now shows that only half of the vaccination numbers reported are correct. COVID-19 cases are declining in Ontario, with the lowest single-day case count since November reported yesterday. The province is expected to provide an update regarding COVID-19 modeling projections later this afternoon. Durham College reported a COVID outbreak on January 26th at the Gordon Willey Building in the Oshawa campus. Only one case has been linked to the outbreak and thorough sanitation has already taken place. The Ontario government extended the province-wide stay-at-home order until February 11th and continues to urge all Ontario residents not to leave their homes for non-essential trips. Stay home and stay safe. And next, here's Corrado with an update on COVID-19 regulations for big box stores. York Region has issued 45 charges after 1,928 business inspections. Multiple big box stores were also fined. The York Regional Council formed a COVID-19 enforcement task force to ensure the proper health restrictions are being met within retailers. These inspections were done between Monday, January 11th and Sunday, January 17th. The stores that were fined include five Walmarts, five Shoppers Drug Marts, and one Costco. Other stores include Sobeys, Freshco, No Frills, and Food Basics. The York Regional COVID-19 Enforcement Task Force will continue these inspections under the York Regional Council. Today is the 11th anniversary of Bill Let's Talk. Everyone is invited to join the conversation and support people living with mental illness. For every text message sent with Bill, they donate 5 cents to mental health. You can be part of the conversation talking, texting, and joining in on social media. With COVID-19 affecting every aspect of our lives, Canadians everywhere are feeling the impact of the ongoing crisis on their mental health. Now more than ever, every action counts. Bill Let's Talk promotes awareness and action with a strategy built on four ideas. Fighting the stigma, improving access to care, supporting world-class research, and leading by example in workplace mental health. It's been just over a week since Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th President of the United States. Biden signed 17 executive orders in his first day, the most of any modern-day president. The first order Biden signed made masks mandatory on federal grounds. Other orders he signed include ones to rejoin the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, pause federal student loan payment, and also ending the ban refugees from majority Muslim countries. These were all reversals of orders Trump had added during his time in office. Kamala Harris is the first black and South Asian woman to be the vice president of the United States. Her oath at the presidential inauguration was a happy moment for those here in Canada. Julie, a mother of Wong said, I am very happy Kamala is vice president of the United States and in fact had tears flowing down my cheeks with happiness when I heard her speak upon arriving at the White House. Kamala presents hope for a world with more diversity and inclusivity where the minority groups are struggling to live. Learning during the pandemic has changed drastically. These changes have caused major stress on teachers and students. 
switching from remote learning to in-person learning and back again has caused a great deal of confusion. Caleb Tutun reports. School boards across the GTA have set up new semesters called quadmasters. These quadmasters take four courses and break them down into two 10-week terms of two courses. High school teacher Lori Ann Bittis always felt prepared for her classes. Then suddenly, last March, she felt like a brand new teacher. I just kind of feel like I felt super prepared. I knew what I was doing up until like all of a sudden last March. It was like I was a brand new teacher all over again trying to figure out everything. Bittis felt like she could handle everything since she was pretty good with computers. But since she was one of the better teachers with technology, every student came to her for help, adding to her stress. I'm fairly lucky because I kind of understood technology before, but I know there's teachers that are like in their 50s and 60s that are just scrambling trying to figure out how to how to do all this. So I've been one of the people that everyone keeps asking for help. And so that adds to the stress. Bittis has been trying to make the best of the situation, but finds it hard dealing with all the stress switching back and forth between in-person and remote learning. Hopefully, everything goes back to normal soon. Caleb Tuton reporting for Riot Radio. As COVID-19 continues its path across Ontario, libraries in the Durham region have seen a sharp decline in usage. During stay-at-home measures, most of their program, including their books and other media pickup, have seen a decrease in service, despite offering contactless pickup and no late fees. COVID-19 has caused many small businesses to close. Many small businesses are not considered essential. They were forced to shut down during lockdown periods. It has taken a massive toll and closed 44% more businesses than before the pandemic struck in Canada, according to Global News. Small business owner Jetlag is here to comment on how he manages to stay open during COVID-19. The store is online and it always has been, so the physical restrictions didn't slow business down. All of the clothes are manufactured as well, so I don't have to meet with anyone face-to-face. I just go through the designing process, and the final product is delivered to me. A lot of people who do order clothes online, like LAG's customers, worry about sanitary issues when the package arrives. LAG follows a specific procedure to make sure his packages are COVID-19 safe. When I receive the items from my manufacturer, they all come pre-bagged, so I'll remove the original bag and switch it to one that hasn't been in contact with anyone but me. I'll sanitize my hands before packaging most times just to get that extra tad of safety. Overall, COVID-19 has made a huge impact on the world, including taking a toll on small businesses. We have no idea what will happen next, but hopefully no more businesses will close down. Jetlag is one of the many small businesses that have made changes to ensure sales during the pandemic. Desi Huddy, reporting for Early Birds Worm. As COVID impacts our lives, it can be very difficult for students and their mental health as they adjust to remote learning and staying in. Here at Durham College, you can get the help. Vandita Kumar reports. Mental Health Services at Durham is a multidisciplinary team of mental health support and alongside medical support. Rebecca Bemsey, a mental health nurse at Durham, explains some changes COVID has made. We're just seeing a shift in in what students are accessing service for. And and currently it is a lot of it is related um, or or some issues are related to COVID and the online learning and how that's been a challenge. Right. Though taking appointments have been different this year and having to talk over the call, Rebecca encourages students to come and get some help as there are doctors and nurses to help out have coaching who are there to help students build resiliency using a holistic approach. We have counselors who are there to support students where there are 
to support students with their current emotional, personal, or interpersonal problems. Um, and then we have medical doctors there to support students. If you are looking for help, whether it be your mental health, a medical diagnosis, or coaching for general help in school, the Mental Health Service Department can help you out. Ethan's going to talk sports and the upcoming Super Bowl. If the quarterback matchup that is waiting for us in Super Bowl 55 doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. This past weekend, the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers defeated the Green Bay Packers 31-26 in the NFC Championship game. Meanwhile, last year's Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs continued to roll as they beat the Bills 38-24 in the AFC Championship. While the Chiefs are on their way back to their second straight Super Bowl appearance, the Buccaneers become the first ever team to host their own Super Bowl. Brady is now on his way to his 10th Super Bowl appearance with his new team. As for the former champs, Mahomes may not be his 100% self as he continues to deal with a toe injury. Hundreds of stray cats are surrounded each month to animal shelters in Oshawa. A nonprofit organization called Born Cat Co-op tells how this problem should be addressed. Caitlin Bolt reports. The organization's owner, Kelly, shares their mission to help feral cats off the streets and into safe barns. They care deeply about the well-being of cats that many believe are beyond rescuing. In rescuing feral cats, we also have received some you know, domestic cats along the way, cats that may have been abandoned at, at properties or, you know, lost lost their way somehow. And so then we, again, work in partnership with, um, with the shelters to find safe placement for those domestic cats. In order for change, our community and municipal government must work together to fix this issue. Just a matter of everybody working together to, to recognize there's a problem here. And yes, we, we can help that problem by community and organizations working together. Last year alone, there were almost 2,000 stray cats in Oshawa that were brought to local shelters. The problem is mainly due to outdoor cats that have not been spayed or neutered. Not 100% the pet owner's fault all the time. Some people just cannot afford um, the, the vetting. The, you know, it's, it's very costly, so we need, you know, more affordable vetting. And there are organizations out there that have affordable vetting, but, you know, they have long waiting lists because they're, you know, so far and few between. If you are an outdoor cat owner yourself, look into spaying and neutering them to reduce the high rates of strays in our city. Caitlin Bolt reporting for the Early Birds Worm. I'm Desi Huddy, and the world of sports journalism is changing every day. It is extremely competitive and typically male-driven. Females not only have to deal with the competition, but also there are challenges after getting the job. I interviewed Lindsay Hamilton, a female sports anchor from TSN, to see how she finds it being a female in the sports journalism world. I just had to get my dog to stop barking. I was like, <laughs> not now, not now. Ways of working from home, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I was like, of course, the one time I have to record during the day, he decides now's the time to bark at nothing. Yeah, don't worry. I have a friend, uh, Kara Wagland, actually. She's usually my co-anchor on the 1 a.m. loop, and she is a dog. And when we were filming Sports Center from home, she said her dog would just start barking in the middle of the interviews. And she's like, this is just the reality of 2020, 2021. It happens to me all the time during class. And I have a big dog, so he has a loud bark. And I'll be sitting right. in the middle of class trying to answer a question. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> of course. But yeah. So my first question for you, have you ever experienced inequality in the workplace? And if you personally haven't, 
do you know anyone personally that has? I have faced inequality, not necessarily from my colleagues, but definitely from individuals online. There, unfortunately, are still people who believe that women shouldn't work in sports, whether that be as broadcasters, referees, coaches, analysts, you name it. And that is a frustrating topic to explore with someone because it can be really difficult to change their views. Sometimes you don't know if it's best to engage or simply to ignore them. But unfortunately, I have faced my fair share of trolls online, people who will tell you to stick to the kitchen or go make a sandwich. And, you know, it's infuriating, but simultaneously it also shows me that there's a lot of work still to be done and that women still need to be in these roles so that it becomes more and more normalized that women who know what they're talking about and deserve the jobs should be there. Do you think you could hone in on just like a little how you feel about the whole inequality thing? I know obviously you don't like it, but just anything you have to say about how you feel about it. I have mixed emotions because on one hand, I think we've, uh, women have made so much progress in the world of sports broadcasting in a number of predominantly male industries and they're earning their seat at the table. Um, They're leaning into those positions. They're proving that women can be knowledgeable and capable in positions that for years and years have been male. With that said, there's also frustration that still exists because there is such a long way to go and comments like the ones I mentioned that unfortunately still happen. Or when you do a story on the WNBA or the LPGA and you still face that type of commentary, it's extremely disheartening and frustrating. So that to me is just further motivation to continue the way in which we're going and prove that there's so much work to be done. Um, You know, I know yesterday we spoke about everything around Jared Porter and what happened with the Mets recently. And again, the fact that we're still talking about stories like this is disheartening. Furthermore, when Sandy Alderson and management of the Mets were then questioned about the process of hiring Jared Porter and they were asked, did you talk to other people, anyone who raised a flag that this might have been a concern? And the answer was no. And the reporter asked the follow-up question, were any of those individuals women? And the answer was no. It was honest, but it also was glaring that there aren't women in positions who may have worked with Jared Porter to flag this problem. And that alone is a glaring issue because we need to have more women in the game. And again, we're starting to see things change a little bit, but there's still a long way to go. We kind of touched this in the first question, but have you ever experienced any hate or like sexualizing since you are a woman in sport, whether that's like face-to-face or like online, like tweets or comments, anything like that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I am very grateful and thankful that what I've experienced is pretty PG-13 to essentially say it in comparison to other women in the industry I know and other colleagues. Um, I do know colleagues who have stories that are horrendous and you can literally go on YouTube and even, or just a Google search and see some of the things other females in the industry have had to experience and had written to them or tweeted at them. And it's awful. It 
gives you goosebumps just trying to put yourself in their position and just how just how you would feel if you were to receive that with that being said i have also received my fair share of tweets or private inbox messages or emails um, that are degrading um, offensive hateful and what really irks me is that a lot of these individuals have nameless or faceless profiles so it's a stock image it's not their real name and if you were to meet them face to face in a professional environment they would never say those things to you but for some reason when they are behind the mask of a computer they feel as though it's okay to type that or tweet it at someone and i don't know if it's because it's not a human interaction they're having but to not be aware that the words you say very well could be read by someone who is a human and who has emotions. And I like to think I have a pretty thick skin because of my years in the industry. Um, I know what I'm good at. I know that I'm talented. I know where my value lies. I would also be dishonest if I didn't say, occasionally you will read a message and it will really sting and it will affect your self-confidence and you have to again have a good support network you have to have people that will encourage you and you have to be confident enough in your own skills but i've also seen women turned away from this industry as a whole just because of some of the backlash and awful things that are said and that's really unfortunate um, that there is still that toxicity that is turning some people away again i think it's starting to change i think women who have come forward more often than not nowadays um, are believed or trusted or supported by the industry. But again, I do still think there's a long way to go. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I actually saw a bunch of videos on YouTube when I was like researching this topic of just things that men say face to face or online to some of these like reporters. And it's like disgusting. And I same thing with the like stock images or like just like the user eight one. My next question is, do you have any advice for women who want to get into the sports world? And I know you kind of talked to me yesterday and said, create your own momentum. Any advice to dealing with those comments? I say a few different things. Um, I mean, for me, because I played competitive sports growing up, that was monumental in developing my own self-confidence, um, developing a positive relationship with body image and knowing that you know i exercise and i eat well to have energy and to perform as an athlete not to look a certain way um and simultaneously to be surrounded by strong motivated determined women growing up in sport that was extremely influential um, my own mother was an athlete again that was very influential in my development growing up but if people don't have that i would say try and find a group or a network of other women who can lift you up and who can motivate you. Women in the industry that they're pursuing to help encourage them because they have likely walked the path that you're trying to pursue. And you know what? Sometimes maybe there won't be a woman who's come before you and you're trailblazing, but still to find a group of like-minded women who can relate to your experiences and provide you um, just an opinion or encouragement or lift you up because there will be moments when you need that. And I would highly encourage people to find that. My last question for you is in one word, describe your experience working in sports. Oh, one word that is tough. 
incredible. I would say life-changing, but that's two words. So I'm going to go with it. You, know, you asked for one word, but I'll expand on it. I think because, maybe transform means better, but incredible because it has been a positive experience. And everyone gets into sports for a different reason. But for me, I've always been drawn to sport because of the values and characteristics that it's, it can grow in people. Um, and again, I go back to determination, teamwork, setting a goal and achieving it, learning how to fail with grace. There's so many aspects of sport that I'm drawn to and that I just think can develop really strong character in people. Yeah, thank you so much for doing these interviews for me. Thank you for listening to our first edition of Early Birds Worm. We will hope to see you again next week at this time and have a wonderful day.